0: Just there, before we begin, uh, I, I wanted to say a quick, if you're someone who likes to listen to podcasts, uh, I found uh, there's a really good podcast on this month, it's called, um, yeah it's the one I sent to you Josh, uh, it, it's, it's a podcast called, let me see if I can find the name of it, um, I listened to the first one, it, it's Here We Stand, Here we Stand. Uh, it's by Desiring God and it's actually all that, you might not have known, it's actually Reformation Month. Uh, it's the uh, five hundred years ago on the thirty first of October, Martin Luther, um, who was kind of crucial in the uh, instigating this Reformation movement uh, of which we all benefit. Um, he posted his thesis on the the church doors in Wittenberg. Where is it? Does anyone know? Wittenberg. is it? Is it in Germany? It's in Germany it's somewhere. Germany. That's where he was from, and uh, and so so this whole month, this this podcast on it's like six or seven minute little episode podcast on different people, not just him, loads of people, who, uh, men and women who gave their lives to ensuring that we could enjoy the truths um, that we, we now take massively for granted. Um, this morning's was actually all about, um, oh man, and I can't remember his name, uh, who, guy who came, uh, an English guy. Who came before uh, Martin Luther, who actually translated the Bible into English, John Wycliffe. John Wycliffe thank you. Uh, so John Wycliffe, and um, he actually was denounced as a heretic. After he died, they dug up his bones and burnt him, burnt them, in as like a because they were so offended by what he'd done translating the Bible into English, and yet now here we are, we're able to like have this random guy up to preach and talk about. God's word mm. uh, this would not have been okay just 500 years ago so it's a really big deal and it, it really fits into what I'm going to talk about because uh, what Paul here is saying in this passage and in this whole book of Galatians is trying to strip away the, mm. the barriers and the blockades that these legalists are putting up between mm. regular people and God mm. they're putting in this big barrier and uh, and this continues to happen it happened 500 years it was happening 500 years ago in these mm. Reformationists. Uh, stood up for it, and today it still happens, and we need to see it, identify, and it, stand up uh, for these things too. So that was uh, just a, a recommendation. If you want to know what that podcast is, I can share it with you guys, <coughs> but I recommend listening to that this week, this month. Uh, so we're looking at Galatians chapter four. I'm actually looking at the last uh, section. It's verses twenty one to thirty one, and I'll have it up on the screen so we can read it together, uh, or you can find it in your Bibles and follow along. Um, but uh, I, d- I was wanted to start with... I don't know if any of you are familiar with, uh, with a song. It goes, uh, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. We're going to sing it. Did, we're gonna, it's our response song. Here. <laughs> 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 um, there's actions as well, guys. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> uh, but hands up if you've heard that before. Like, in, okay, Swedish. in Swedish, the no. words are different. So no. I sang it to Emil and he was like, wait, what? What are those words? <laughs> it's, a different, it's different words, but... Um, In English we sing, uh, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, I am one of them and so are you, let's just praise the Lord. And then you put like a right arm in and do some dancing. Uh, When I became a Christian, um, (laughs) as a teenager, this was super weird for me. um, Because I went to a Jewish school and I grew up around Jewish people, Um, my brother-in-law's Jewish. And this whole thing, this whole idea was like, wait what? Mm -hmm. Jews can say they're the sons of Abraham, that's okay, but we can't. Unless you're actually descended from a Jew, you can't do this. And I remember feeling kind of weirded out by it. I actually uh, messaged my brother-in-law, uh, Paul, and asked him what he thought. And he was like, yeah, that's kind of offensive. Uh, <laughs> he was like, because we're sons of Abraham, as in Jews are sons of Abraham, we descend from him. Uh, and, and unless we're Jewish here, we, we don't, uh, would be the popular understanding. It's, but what, what, when we... What Paul is saying in this passage Mm. is that actually we are sons of Abraham. We have that right to to use that. And so that song would be okay to sing. Uh, And I I messaged my brother, uh, my brother-in-law Paul, and and told him all this. He was like, okay, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so see, I might be in trouble at Christmas. uh, Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's a a funny one. Uh, Today we are looking at this passage of Scripture that, that does perhaps... It is the origin of this uh, song, perhaps where they, whoever wrote it was reading this in, in Galatians and thought, here's a kid's song that we can sing. Uh, so this morning, uh, let me look at time, this morning we're going to look at the context of this passage. Uh, it, it's, a, it's quite dense. Uh, there's a lot of biblical allusions Old Testament scriptures in there so we're going to look at the context especially the context within the letter of Galatians that it falls in and then we're going to look at three comparisons that Paul is making uh, in the text that are going to help us to see um, some of the themes that we've already looked at through our trek through Galatians uh, where they they kind of come to a point here in this text and then finally we're going to have a conclusion so that's context, comparisons, conclusion Mm. That's it, three C's, the three C's of today's, of today's sermon. That wasn't hard for me to work that one out. I think last time I had a whole load of P's, didn't I? Love it. So uh, first we'll just read the text. It's always good to get grounded. Um, so it's, uh, it is uh, Galatians 4, verses 21 to 31. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law. Uh, this is Paul the Apostle writing, hadn't really like clear. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the sons of the slave, the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegor- allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. So a good question to ask uh, right at the beginning is why is Paul using this Old Testament story in the first place? What, uh, what does this story uh, help Paul do as he's making this argument to the Galatians? Um, he's, he's concerned about this church uh, that's been confused and hurt by a bunch of Jewish Christians who've come up from Jerusalem teaching that to be part of God's family you need to observe uh, certain parts of Jewish law. Uh, I'm going to call these guys the legalists from now on, just to make that easy. Um, Paul is agonizing over this little church, trying to persuade them that not only is being taught not only are they not being taught the good news, but they're actually being taught a false gospel, a counterfeit gospel. It's not just wrong, it's dangerous. So why then, in chapter four, after kind of going through this, does he use this piece of scripture? It's a good question to ask, it might help us understand it, because it is dense with uh, allusions. The first thing to note is that Paul is uh, hes addressing these legalists at this point. Uh, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? And he's actually uh, making a pun, it's a play on words. It's a classic Paul technique, the pun. Because um, you've got, uh, the law can mean the 613 jewish laws that you would um you would obey you would observe uh, to show that you were jewish they're things from being circumcised if you're a guy uh, to what you eat what you wear where you can sit they also include the temple sacrifices and the whole priestly system they're all contained in uh, exodus through to deuteronomy or i think that could be the last one um But it can also mean, this word law, can also be a reference to the first five books of the Old Testament, which are called the Torah. Um, So that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. And so what Paul is saying, okay, you want to be under these laws. Well, you need to read the law first. It's basically, okay. you want to be under the laws? Well, have you even read your Bible? It's smack talk. And uh, Paul's great at it. This this letter is uh, particularly feisty uh, for these kind of things. Um, So he knew his audience at this point. Paul knows he's speaking to the legalists, those who want to be under the law, and so he's going to use the law itself. He's thinking, uh, two can play at this game. You can have, you can see, uh, you see, they've presented themselves as an authority on Scripture they're the Bible people, they've come into Galatia, they said, okay, you've received Paul's gospel, that's great, uh, you've received Jesus, wonderful, but uh, we've got a bit of Bible studying to do, because the Old Testament says all of this, or it wasn't the Old Testament then, it was just the Bible, it was just, this is what we've got, this is the scriptures, and they say this. But what Paul is <laughs> saying is, no, no, I know my Bible really well as well, and what, um, what you've got here is a misunderstanding of scripture. So let me help you uh, to see what it really says. Um, He's basically saying, well, to truly engage with the arguments, he has to show that they're not handling the Old Testament correctly. Uh, So that's one of the reasons why he uses this text. Uh, And finally, uh, it's because the Bible, uh, the the Old Testament is God's word. Uh, So when Paul uses this, he's got authority behind him. It's not just Paul's ideas anymore. It's, no, this is in scripture. This is what God has said. And it's important for us to remember this. Uh, it's really easy, I think, for us to uh, rely solely on the New Testament uh, and, and kind of feel a bit nervous or a bit scared about uh, what can be in the Old Testament. Uh, but they are all God's word. Mm. And we need to kind of be really brave or really excited and thrilled to go to the Old Testament as well. Uh, you see, it's the, it grounds the New Testament in, com- in context, uh, I know that we had, uh, we get some great questions uh, from from people here and that's wonderful. Uh, recently it was a question about understanding Jesus as the Lamb of God and why we use that phrase but this comes from a passage of scripture in Exodus. So to really understand a lot of the New Testament language uh, we have to understand the context of the Old Testament. Uh, but also to read the Old Testament, we need to do so in light of the gospel. Mm. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's understanding this story in context of what Jesus has done. So both things need to have attention there. Um, So up to this point in the letter, Paul's been desperate to refute and counteract false gospel uh, claims that have infiltrated this little church that he started all those years ago. Uh, the Jewish Christians from Jerusalem have arrived, telling these young converts that to be real Christians you need to start eating certain foods, not eating other foods you need to observe special feast days um, and celebrations and that uh, men need to get circumcised you see all of this was the mark of the covenant that God had made with Abraham all, uh, and all his descendants if you're Jewish and male you get circumcised uh, and you, you observe dietary laws, you, you do these things all this, they said, was how you grow as a Christian. This is how you become part of the family of God. You want to be sons of Abraham? Well, do what the sons of Abraham do, which is all of these laws. Um, but Paul has been saying, and is saying here, that no, this is backwards, not forwards. This is uh, the, that the law keeping is all over now. We don't relate to God in that way anymore. Jewish or not Jewish? These rules have changed with Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection blows the whole law-keeping and rule-following temporal, temple, sacrifice, priesthood thing, blows it right apart. See, Paul is saying in this text that being a son of Abraham means something very different now that Jesus has come. Uh, at this point, you might wonder what this has, how this applies to us. Um, I guess if I ask, you know, we what we want to eat, we can eat bacon all the live long day if we choose to. Uh, does anyone know what day it was yesterday? It was a Jewish holiday. Yeah. Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. Great. Oh. It's literally the holiest day in the Jewish yeah. calendar, yeah. and Absolutely. none of us celebrated Testament it. Day. Good. <laughs> Good. Yeah. yeah. This is you oh, except for Jared. Jared, <laughs> Jared was <laughs> <laughs> Jared was there, so celebrating. It's the Day of Atonement. It's actually uh, the day of the year when the chief priest would would. Trembling, go behind the curtain and make the sacrifice of blood for the whole of, the, of that year, all of the sins of all the Jewish people for that year. I'm going to do that today. And that was yesterday. Mm. Um, yeah, wait, where am I? Here I am. But we don't follow these laws. No. Uh, we, we don't do any of that here. So it's easy for us to be like, okay, Paul's talking to the Galatians because they're having this problem, but that's not our problem. But this is actually... Uh, wrong, because the rules and laws that legalists were telling the Galatians to follow are only (coughs) symptoms of a bigger problem that still plagues us today, which is just legalism. Mm. You see, we still find ways to relate to God based on what we do for him. Mm. Uh, And we've found that in so many different ways as we've been going through um, this, that there are just many ways that we slip back into this way of behaving. There's one way to relate to God And we just seem to find every other way we can, except for the one way. Um, Why? Uh, I've got some reasons uh, why we might do that, why we might desire to be under the law. These guys tell me, you who desire to be under the law. It's really easy to think, no one one desires to be under the law, but there are reasons why we might. There are many advantages um, to law being the principal way of relating to God. First, you always have an outward certainty of a list of rules to keep. You know what you need to do. It's, it's simple. Uh, secondly, uh, you can compliment yourself when you keep the rules, especially if you keep them better than other people. It's a uh, good yardstick for, uh, like, your ego, I guess. Uh, second, you can comp. Uh, sorry. Thirdly, uh, you can take the credit for your own salvation because you earned it by keeping keeping the list of rules. So. Paul, seeing all of this, wants to use this story to show that there's the different ways um, that we relate to God. He, he is saying, showing this through this Old Testament uh, allegory, uh, he wants to show that that we relate to God. The uh, basis, that we relate to God is going to be one of two things: uh, do we relate, do we relate as sons or slaves? Do we relate? through a fleshly law-keeping or by faith in the promises of God. Uh, But first, we'll clarify the story a little bit. Paul misses a few names and a few people out, um, so I won't take for granted that we know this story uh, super well. Uh, Abraham has been promised a son in his old age through Sarah, his wife, um, and it's getting on and on. She's barren, she's completely unable to have kids, and... uh, I guess they're trying and nothing's happening. So they decide to take matters into their own hands. And uh, Sarah actually presents Abraham with Hagar, uh, her slave, and says, have a a son with Hagar and we'll just adopt that son and that will be the way that we bring about God's promise. See, God's promise to make you the father of many nations and yet here we are with no kid and we're in our, like, 90s. So uh, he does that and he gives birth to Ishmael. And fourteen years later, Isaac is born from Sarah miraculously. Uh, the traditional understanding of this story is that Jews are descended from Isaac, the son of promise, and that non-Jews are descended from Ishmael or, or Arabs. Actually, is the traditional understanding, and that's actually why he says uh, in verse twenty-five. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. There's that allusion there. Uh, so it's actually really offensive what Paul is doing here. He's saying essentially that real Jews are are like this Arab nation, or, or non-Jews, and non-Jews are really the, the real, the true Israel, the, the Isaacs. Um, so let's have a look at uh, some of the, the comparisons then that Paul wants us to see. Uh, the first is between a son and a slave. Uh, we have um, free-born son. so in verse 21 and 22 it says, Tell me, you desire to be under the law. Do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. So the first difference is actually between the two between the two sons is the difference of their mothers. One is born by a slave and the other by a free woman. This should instantly ring bells for us as Paul's been making this contrast between being free and being a slave a lot in this letter. And by highlighting the mother's status as free or slave, Paul is saying that the people who are freeborn sons like Isaac uh, are all people who uh, oh sorry, the Paul is saying that all the people who are freeborn sons are like Isaac, and that all the people who are slaves are like Ishmael. This radical identity change um, is uh, say, suggesting that the, the Jewish legalists are the ones living like slaves, and it's the Gentile believers who are freeborn sons. The second uh, comparison (coughs) is uh, between promise and flesh. Uh, Verse 23, but the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Again, and I encourage you to do this if you go back through Galatians Mm -hmm. and just look out for words like flesh and promise, and you see Paul counteracts these two a lot. Son and slave, free and promise, law and grace. It's a letter of contrasting. Uh, ways to live Uh, Ishmael was Abraham's son but Paul says he was a son according to the flesh what does this mean? we could define this as unbelief uh, trying to make your own way before God it often doesn't look like it but legalism is living according to the flesh it denies God's promise and tries to make your own way to God through the law Abraham had been told repeatedly by God that he would have a son, that he'd have many descendants and yet he doubted the promise of God and tried to make them come about for himself we are very capable of doing this today, as I was reflecting on this I was reminded of a time when I was the evangelism secretary in university I know, you didn't know but it's true, it was me Uh, and I took this job very seriously Um, I, I was in charge of uh, getting the message of the gospel out to all the people on Lancaster camp- campus. We didn't see revival. I don't know why. Um, but, uh, you know, I diligently went out on a Thursday, handing out my flyers for our, our lunch bar, which is a Christian apologetics talk where you'd come and hear a topic like what would God say to Osama bin Laden or something? And then we'd have a little question and answers debate at the end uh, and I would go, I'd hand out my flyers, I'd go to the lunch bar and I'd spar with an atheist, someone from the Atheist Society for like 15 minutes before we got bored. Um, I, and you might be surprised to know that I didn't see very much fruit from that time. Um, but I remember one day feeling really convicted. So I, I, didn't, I didn't pray into it before going, I didn't ask God for any uh, kind of power or authority. I had still trying to learn uh, all of this stuff. One day I remember feeling convicted uh, that I'd been trying so hard and had never actually involved God. I never actually trusted him to work through me. So I prayed and I asked God to give me a conversation with someone. I asked him to empower me to speak. From, um, and from that point on, I found myself then having conversations with people all the time when I wasn't expecting it. Not on Thursdays with the flyers, but in the pub later on or after a lecture. Or on the bus with a person I recognised. They'd ask me, Oh, you're in the Christian Union, aren't you? What's that like? And um, I found that I was sharing my faith more and more. And more genuinely than I ever had when I was diligently handing out my flyers and sparring with atheists. Um, See, for me, the turning point was when I saw how futile it can be to work at something in your own strength. And how freeing and suddenly fruitful it is when we just trust God to move in us and work through us. The actions that I did was to pray and to ask the Holy Spirit to come into my life and motivate me and move me and give me opportunity. Mm. And I had to do that. Mm. But I didn't have to do the, mm. the heavy lifting, the hard work as such, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and so that's what Abraham had done. Mm. Uh, Abraham's second son, Isaac, however, is born according to promise. Uh, by this, Paul is saying that God was faithful and came through on his promises, but also that this is a spiritual, indeed, a miraculous birth. Uh, you see, Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barren, and yet God said that they would have a son and that they would have many descendants. It's sometimes hard for us to get our head around it. But a key point here is the physical impossibility of, uh, of having Isaac was not a problem for God. Mm-hmm. If he promises something, he'll deliver it. This means that we can trust the promises that God makes to us in the Bible. So uh, we we see here this amazing picture of uh, Isaac born out of barrenness, born from promise. And a takeaway for us is, what promises has God given me? What promises are true here in, our, in the word? When we read our Bible and we see a promise, do we stop and think, I can trust this, because even if it looks impossible, God is a God of miraculous, uh, breaker of impossibility. Another thing that came to mind as I was reflecting on this passage was how just as Isaac is a miracle child, born according to promise, so are we. If we're Christians here today, our life with God is a miracle. It's new life where there was barrenness. You see, this song... Uh, that's there in the middle rejoice O barren one who does not bear it's really easy to think of that as like literal barrenness like it's a mum, like it's a woman who can't have kids but we were once dead mm-hmm. we were once in spiritual barrenness and we've been born again, there was no life in us but we've experienced new birth from barrenness uh, and that's the case with everyone so our friends, our colleagues our family members and we look at them and we think there's barrenness there. Mm. It's God who will break in and bring you life. Mm. Uh, so, the final comparison is between two covenants. I know you guys are excited about this one. I certainly am. Uh, the fi- uh, the, in the Bible, a covenant is a contract that sets the rules for our relationship with God. There was the old covenant that was begun with Abraham and involved circumcision, and then it was expanded upon by Moses. With all, the, with all the laws, how to relate to God uh, with food, how to relate to God in, in what you wore, how we relate with the people around us. Uh, it was a covenant between God and the Jewish nation. One in which God said, I will be your God and you will be my people. But I want you to obey the law. I want you to follow my commandments. I want you to look different from the world around you. I want to paint this picture of, of, uh, of, of your sin and the sacrifice that it takes uh, to, to cleanse that. So God's painting a big picture here. Uh, the whole law had a system in place for sin. See, it wasn't that um, we were, they were expected to be sinless because there was this whole thing in place to deal with it. So people could fail to keep the law and remain in agreement, in this agreement, but they had to, uh, they had to sacrifice some animals for that. And sacrifice is a big part of how the old covenant was run. God was painting a picture of how our sin requires payment and how it needed to be paid for. The law then set up a special day, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when the chief priest would enter the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God, and make this sacrificial offering for the sins of the people. It's a very sombre occasion. I actually wished Paul happy Yom Kippur yesterday, and he was like, you can't do that. It's not a it's happy day. <laughs> He's like, his exact words were, it's not really a happy thing, kind of like a whole day of Catholic confession. Uh, um, which I thought was interesting. Uh, So that's kind of this old covenant picture that we got. The new (coughs) covenant is the way we relate to God now. This is what Paul is saying. There's two covenants, old and new. The new covenant, how we relate to God now, only required one sacrifice, Jesus. You see, the new covenant is based on faith in the works of Jesus, Mm -hmm not in law-keeping and sacrifice, continual sacrifice. Jesus's death on the cross was that once and for all payment that the old covenant had been pointing towards. That's what Paul's showing us here. We can't go back to law-keeping because that's old covenant. That's how we used to relate to God, but now the terms and conditions are all changed. So in a nutshell, Paul's been saying uh, that the, to the legalists, to those who would be under the law, you think you're a child of Abraham, but you're an Ishmael trying to please God by your best efforts of keeping the rules. You're really just living in bondage as slaves, not sons. You're still living in the old covenant way of relating to God and doing so makes the whole gospel useless. Mm. If you continue to follow the law, then Jesus' sacrifice that paid for all sin for all time is redundant. So... uh, I ter- I said just moments ago about this temple and the sacrifices that used to be made and how the chief priests would go in and make the sacrifice uh, on the one day of the year for all the people um, this place the holy of holies as many of you will know is uh, separated by the present uh, was separated uh, from common people um and the- by this big massive curtain behind which God's literal presence was for a time uh, and then um it you know, was so holy, he could only go in once after making this big sacrifice. Um, what happened when Jesus died on the cross, at that moment when he gave up his last breath, the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. See, Jesus takes away all barriers to God the Father. He removes that curtain that separated us from his presence, a curtain that the legalists are so trying so hard to stitch back up. I was thinking about it, and I realised, like, if that curtain's there and you're not the high priest and you know that only he can go in, the day that that was torn in two must have been so terrifying because someone would have had to have fixed that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. You know?
0: So when he, Jesus tore that curtain in two, um, he removes that curtain that separates us from his presence. So we can now come boldly before the throne of God, as it says in Hebrews, Uh, Jesus' blood as a sacrifice meant that all people all over the world, whatever background, whatever genealogy, Welsh, Jewish, Swedish, English, they can all call on God by faith as their father in heaven. Because of this truth, we can be called sons and daughters of God. We can relate to him by faith in his promises. We're like children of promise, born again into a life of freedom, not legalism. We don't relate to God based on our good works or dress code or how holy we are. We relate to God by how holy Jesus is. Yeah. There is, uh, but there can be a voice that causes us to forget this. It can be an insecurity in us that makes us strive to please God. It can be an external pressure, like with the Galatians, uh, when there was a voice telling them how to behave or how to show that they were really Christians. Uh, or it can be the voice of the devil telling us that we're not worthy to relate to God in this way. He might say, "You're not good enough. You're too sinful." Any of these things can come to rob our freedom and deserves only one thing, says Paul. Casting out. Here's our two covenants. There they are. And there's a bit more. Mm. So what areas are you hoping that the law, that law keeping might make you more desirable to God? You need to cast them out. Where are you working hard to make something happen? and not trusting in his promises. Well, you need to cast that out. In what areas are you listening to the desires of the flesh and not hearing the Holy Spirit's prompting in your life? You need to cast those out. And in what ways are you not living as sons and daughters of the living God? In all these areas, we need to cast out the slave mentality. This, there isn't a literal slave. <coughs> but There is a mentality. There's a, a viewpoint. And there's, a, there's something that speaks to us. There's a word. There's a whisper. And we need to cast that out when we identify it. How do we do that? By hearing the freedom shout of the gospel. This whole sermon series through Galatians is called Freedom Shout. Because sometimes we're like going in the wrong way, holding on to this voice, this whisper, this word, and this need, this freedom shout mm. to make us go wh- and drop it mm. and look to Jesus. Mm. Uh, so we're going to sing, uh, we're going to hear more of these freedom shouts. Mm. Looking forward to next week when there's a literal freedom shout or next time. But we're going to sing before the throne of God above. Mm. Uh, earmill come on up here and get ready uh, which is uh, a great hymn uh, but for this we have a strong and perfect plea it says great high priest whose name is love, who ever lives and pleads for me, my name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart, and I know that whilst in heaven he stands our, our great high priest, the one and only no tongue, no power no principality, no <coughs> whisper can bid us to depart Uh, so if you want to pray with someone afterwards grab a small group leader or a friend or whatever i'm here as well and we can pray but let's respond and sing this song uh, and hear the freedom shout